Be warned that once you pick up a refreshingly cold drink from McDonald's and people see just how refreshingly cold that drink from McDonald's is, you may create drink envy. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. For a morning brew that really creates a stir, get any size iced coffee, including caramel and French vanilla, for just 99 cents before 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. This is the Midlife Mail Podcast with Greg Scheiman. Brought to you by Inns Group Insurance. Inns Group is insuring success. From the Gal Media Studios, here's Greg Scheinman. It is Midlife Mail Podcast time. Greg Scheinman here with you this week as always. It is time to do the pod. This week, my guest, special guest, old Camp Winocki friend, Eric Birnbaum. Haven't seen or heard from Eric in 30 years. We'll get into that story uh, when he gets on the show in a couple of minutes, but it's just kind of cool the way guys reconnect. You bump into somebody you haven't seen in a long time and you pick up right where, right where you left off. Eric has done a lot since I last saw him. He is the co-founder and partner at Imperial Companies. He is a leading New York-based developer. His diverse portfolio includes numerous critically acclaimed projects. He is the creator of the boutique residential category, epitomized by his most recent project, Henry Hall, which opened in 2017. Awesome, awesome project that Vogue calls a residential building that looks more like a members-only club that you've somehow finagled your way into. He is also behind the 700-room mixed-use ground development, the Pod Hotel in Times Square, and he is currently developing hotels in South Beach, Miami, and recently closed on the Rio in Las Vegas. Since 2014, Eric and his team deployed more than a billion dollars of total capital. In 2017, Imperial successfully raised and co-sponsored a blind pool acquisition vehicle with Gnome Goddessman's Tom's Capital, which was focused on real estate operating companies. They're currently trading under the ticker LAHL. Before forming Imperial, he led his own firm and deployed approximately $500 million in capital over 13 transactions. He started at Vornado Realty Trust. He spent a little time over at Bear Stearns. He is a graduate of University of Pennsylvania. He grew up born and raised in New York City, is an avid runner, a Mets fan, and he is married and has three children living on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. The man is pretty special, super accomplished. Eric Birnbaum on the Midwife Mail podcast. Let's get to it. Eric, thanks so much for joining me this morning. All right. Thanks for having me. So what has it been? 20, 30 years almost? (laughs) 
don't don't say that. I don't want to do the math, but it's been a while. I think what is it? Uh, shit. Yeah, probably thirty years. Well, close to it. I mean, again, I'm forty seven. We grew up around the same area, people, places, things, and this was kind of cool. I'm out in California for just a couple of days. Um, hopped into the Soho house to meet an old old friend, and there you were. Yeah, with with other old friends, which was kind of cool. With, with with other old Camp Winocchi guys. Absolutely. So, so it was 33 IP, years to be exact. In, incredible. Um, yeah. And, you know, the interesting thing I always find with guys, especially when they haven't seen each other in a while, it's kind of like time, you know, stands still, you know, in a way. You just go oh. right back to shooting the shit and like, hey, how the last 30 years been? Exactly, exactly. This is if we were up in New Hampshire, um, you know, like it felt, I don't know, it felt like it was yesterday. Now, how many years did you spend at Wenaki? I was there, must have been like six or seven years. Okay, yeah, I did about nine. And for those out there kind of not totally familiar with the camp experience, you know, where where we grew up, and I was on the North Shore of Long Island. And where were you again? I grew up in Manhattan. In Manhattan. Okay. It wasn't like, what are you doing for the summer? It was, what camp are you going to? And you got shipped off for for eight weeks back then. Now I think it's seven is the most. The world has gone soft. (laughs) And it was eight weeks of go up to New Hampshire, Maine, upstate, wherever you went. This was an all-boys camp. And it was just hang, and you got to play and do everything. Yep. You you don't appreciate it quite as much when, you know, you, you appreciate it more 30 years later sitting in, you know, New York or your office or wherever you are sweltering in the summer and not, you know, you don't realize how good you have it up there running around playing sports, you know, 12 straight hours in the middle of, like, you know, in the in the middle of like New Hampshire, you just don't you don't recognize how good it is. Let me ask you this then, and, and we'll get into the background and some of the other stuff. But what were some of your takeaways, you know, from that experience, and even now looking at it as as a husband and a father? My what were my takeaways from camp? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think the first thing, like I just said, is like how how like special of a time it is and um how you're probably at the time like too young to appreciate you know how special of a time it is and you know but I do think that you know some of those bonds that you create um by being in this secluded area for like 8 weeks 24/7 um you know with I don't know how many kids there were but let's call it like a thousand kids give or take um you know how how unique how unique that is, and to the point that where you haven't seen somebody like yourself in thirty somewhat years, um, and you bump into them, like we were just saying, it's as if you had you know you had just seen them, you know, two days ago. Um, so you can like really, like hop right back into it, and it's as if um, you know it's just one of those it's like you know brothers for life type of thing. It's 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 kind of unique. Now, do your kids go? Say that again. I'm sorry. Do your kids go to camp? Oh yeah. So 
I mean, my oldest, well, all three of my kids go to camp, but my oldest is 10, so she's the only one that is at sleepaway. Um, the other two will ultimately go, but, but we only have one that's at sleepaway right now. Gotcha. All right, so let's, let's turn it around a little bit to, I want to talk about kind of your background and, and how you got to be doing what you're doing right now. Um, did you always know you wanted to be in real estate, you know, entrepreneurial, real estate specifically? Was this a plan of yours? Was this a family type thing? How did, how did you gravitate towards this? Um, it certainly wasn't. Um, I graduated, I went to UPenn. I graduated in 96. Um, and when I left UPenn, I did one year. So, I mean, just going back into that time, there were really like three things or four things that, you know, my peers, I guess, back then like did. You either went to an investment bank, you went into consulting, um, you went to law school or like you were going to be a doctor. And those were like the four things that, you know, people sort of gravitated to. Um, and, you know, ironic, well, not ironically, I, I ended up choosing Wall Street. So I started small um, boutique investment bank um, that people probably, that doesn't even exist anymore called Fox Pit Kelton. Um, and worked at the investment bank for a couple years. I then moved over to um, Bear Stearns, which also unfortunately no longer exists and spent um, a bunch more years there. Um, the best thing that happened at Bear Stearns was that I met my wife. Um, and But then after Bear Stearns, I left. Um, well, I mean, one of the reasons I left Wall Street just in general is I felt that it was, I, I don't know, I just felt like it wasn't rewarding. It was as if you were kind of, I don't know, like selling or like trading like air. There was nothing like tangible to it. And it was very, I don't know, like I just wasn't like passionate about it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and while at Bear Stearns, um, I... Um, I had met my future wife. My future wife's family actually was in real estate. And through that, I got exposure to a whole field that I never really had had any exposure to. And what I had, you know, quickly learned was that real estate, at least on the development side, which is what I do now, um, kind of had everything, you know, kind of wrapped up into one where, you know, you have architecture, you have sales, you have marketing, you have um, finance, obviously, you have legal. Um, you know, development is one of these unique um, careers, I guess, that kind of has like a little taste of everything wrapped into one thing. So your day is very, um, you know, you can go from one meeting and being in an architecture meeting to the next meeting being in a, in a you know, finance meeting to the next meeting being on a legal call um, to the next meeting being on a marketing call. It kind of has like everything kind of wrapped into one. So for me, where I had a bunch of like varied interests, like it was kind of a very nice um, umbrella that kind of captured everything. And um, so what ended up happening was that I saw like 
wow, this could be an interesting field. I ended up having a relationship with, at the time, he was the president of a company called Vernado, which is a big, um, which is a big publicly traded um, REIT. And um, I left Bear Stearns, went over to Vernado, and went into their positions group um, and began my career effectively, you know, there, or began my career in real estate there. Um, and that took me from, like, call it 2002, I guess, until, um, or 2001, it's hard to remember, until um, 2008, literally, like, right before the financial crisis. Um, and then in 2008, before the world collapsed, um, I got very lucky that I found a deal, was able to raise some money, and decided to leave Vernado um, and sort of be- become my own, um, I, I become an entrepreneur and become sort of, I guess, like my own boss. And Let me ask you about that. Go, go on, and then, I'll, and then I'll ask you. Yeah. When when you say find a deal, raise some money, what was your mindset about? an appetite for risk or going out, you know, on your own. A lot of guys out there have ideas. You know, there are things they want to do. Um, mm-hmm. But a reluctant on pulling the trigger, you know, if you will, or executing. You know, what was your thought process about, hey, I'm going to leave this stability and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to take a shot at my own deal? Yeah. I mean, I kind of felt like at that time I was, if I was ever going to take a chance um, that, you know, it was sort of like, you know, now or now or never. Um, and I always, you know, you have to sort of go back to, you know, that time where there was such, I guess, like euphoria for real estate in particular, um, where, you know, the mindset really was, and it was that being true until it wasn't, that, you know, if you had found a good enough deal you would be able to raise the money. And um, that that was like, that was true. So I was a little bit like disillusioned um, to just really be like, let me get the first deal done, get that like capitalized. That will like set me up for the next X amount of years until like that project is up and going. And then during that time, um, like I'll go try and find the next deal and the next deal and like try and build up like a business. Now it's certainly, you know, I, I wasn't comfortable like leaving Vernado and not having like a deal teed up and like ready to go into. Um, but I was able to do it in such a way that I was able to segue from Vernado to doing my own thing, having that my own thing like ready to go and like capitalized. Um, so that my transition was, you know, less risky. Um, but I certainly had no idea, you know, where the next deal beyond that was going to come. And then on top of it, um, you know, I certainly had no idea that, you know, the world was going to collapse, um, you know, in the midst of all of it. So, you know, it, it, I was lucky on, on one regard, um, but, you know, the environment, like, changed pretty quickly after, you know, after that first deal was, was basically done. Mm-hmm. How do you approach, kind of you mentioned all the balls in the air and how while development was enticing and interesting to you because of all of the areas that it encompasses, um, 
at the same time, as as exciting and interesting as that can be, it's also got to be quite stressful, maybe anxiety-ridden, and, you know, you can't be an expert at all of these things, certainly quickly, you know, in there. So talk to me a little bit about your approach to kind of juggling all those balls, you know, in the air um, and being patient, because these are really time-consuming, you know, projects. Yeah, look, I mean, well, first from, like, Vernado is is was and is continues to be like one of the the you know sort of the Goldman Sachs like if you will of real estate. So from an education standpoint, you know having spent all those years and really like listening and learning during that time, you know I felt like I had a pretty decent like head on my shoulders for at least you know this job um, and. So I felt like that my foundation and the you know the way I was able to like look at opportunities was like in, in pretty good shape. So I felt like comfortable with my skill set. Um, and what was the question beyond that? What was sorry? A little bit about managing kind of the oh. the stress yeah, so, and the patience of it all. So so I mean first and foremost I like trusted my foundation. So that was like an important thing. And then second, um, you know, as far as, you know, one of the the key things that you have to like realize about like what it is that I do is that a developer at the end of the day is sort of like an expert in nothing, but knows a little bit about lots of different things. Um, And you surround yourself with, you know, best in class consultants and really what you are at the end of the day is kind of a conductor of like this big orchestra that you got to like get moving in like the right direction. So you find the best athletes, whether it's the best architect, whether it's the best, um, you know, marketing person, whether it's the best, you know, lawyers, blah, 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 blah. And you surround yourself with hopefully like best in class and then you put everybody in their lane and you like make sure that everything is like moving forward under like kind of like your vision. So the most important thing is to surround yourself with, you know, with the best. Um, And then that makes your life like a lot easier. And then as you do it um, more and more and listen um, to those around you, you become to like get, you know, more qualified in, you know, getting your own um, views on things. And as far as like patience is concerned, um, you know, look, Real estate is one of those like very long dated type of like just careers where you know a typical development deal from the moment that you buy a project to the moment that you have like a capital event let's call it like on average um you know the saying is that like from soup to nuts like it takes like seven years, so um you have to have like a long term mentality to like everything that you do so yeah, it's like frustrating, not frustrating, but when you see these hedge fund guys um, that, you know, their whole life can change in like one year if they have like a, you know, a big year. Um, in real estate, you know, it's, it's it's sort of the saying is like any day now, like everything takes, you know, nothing happens so quickly. It's very slow. Mm-hmm. But what at the end you, of the day, you're creating something. You said tangible value something you yeah. can see, touch, and feel. Um, and you, 
what's the aspect of the business, you know, or when you've got something up and built or you've acquired it that is kind of the most exciting part for you, you know, walking, walking through it or seeing it, is there a side or a thing that you're like, okay, this is, this kind of makes it all worthwhile when I get to do this? Yeah, no, I mean, I think one of the greatest things is um, having a vision in your head of what you want to create and then ultimately like seeing it. But the real like gratifying moment um, is seeing others like enjoy it and saying like, oh my God, like I never like thought this could be like, you know, a cool spot or like that this is that where when you, when you, when you get the valid um, validation from others that they, um, you know, that they appreciate it and that they, that they, you know, give you that respect, and that that feels great. Is there a particular project that's like super close to your heart that you're like, okay, this is something I dreamt up, thought about, and we were able to execute? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think the one um, in particular is on the far west side in Hudson Yards that we developed um, a few years ago called Henry Hall, which is a residential building that is really sort of like I guess the the best way to describe it is kind of like Soho House, like meets residential, um, with like a big F and B component and and whatnot. And truth is, is that the block that we developed that asset on, on 38th between 10th and 11th, um, is like not like the greatest like block in in Manhattan by a far stretch. Um, and we had this whole idea of like creating. Once again, everything like around food and beverage, and we brought in a great restaurateur um, called Delicious Hospitality Group that then ultimately bought a restaurant called Legacy that has been you know, a, a thriving restaurant, um, thankfully. And you know, most people said, oh, like nobody will ever come here. You know, the, the block is you know, not enticing enough. Like this is, you know, this is never going to work. And I said, listen, like I grew up in New York, I get New York, and if you build something cool and relevant, it doesn't matter like where you are. Like if you have a good product, people will come. And, um, you know, I think that there were definitely like for every one believer, there were sort of like nine doubters. And um, we got, you know, we ended up building the building. We won like best multifamily development um, I guess for the country, um, you know, by this uh, by this group, um, we got you know ranked like one of the top ten new restaurants like in New York City. Um, and I was at dinner there one night, and um, Bill Clinton um, at Ted and was having dinner with Ted Danson and some other people, um, and the restaurant was packed. And as he left, like he got a standing ovation. And I was sitting there, and I was just at that moment sort of like taken aback that, you know, Bill Clinton, like we were on a 38th between 10th and 11th in an area that everybody said like nobody would come to. The restaurant was packed. The building was fully leased up, and like Bill Clinton's like walking around. Like I thought to me that was like, all right, like we did it. That's, that's awesome. So let me go the other way now with this. So you're there, and you're at your development. Clinton, Ted Danson, like you're sitting there and you're thinking you you made it. And I'm not exactly sure about the time period on this. But let me take it the other 
direction because again, your husband and, and a father as well. Um, your kids, like your kids, aren't impressed. You know, your dad to your kids, they're not impressed necessarily with Bill Clinton or Ted Danson or have any idea, no, you know, really who who they are. What's your approach with with parenting? Um, and kind of the the relationship and commitment that you have with your family and your kids. Yeah, um, I mean, as look, I mean, that's the most important thing. Um, they're completely like unimpressed um, by anything. So you know, they just see me like rightfully so, like just as like dad, um, and none of that stuff, you know, like matters whatsoever. I think you know, the most impressive thing that they've, like, you know, only asked me about is that we're doing a project in Miami, and one of the partners in the deal, like, is is Pharrell Williams. And when Pharrell has called or whatnot, and the kids see, the, like, that I'm actually talking to Pharrell, they think that's kind of cool. Um, but, you know, beyond that, um, like, they just think of me as, like, dad, they could care less, and you know, my priority um, ultimately, like, is to them. So, you know, we always, um, you know, stress that I, you know, the things I, the two things I'm focused on are is my, are my kids and, and work. And, you know, if I'm not at work, I'm with them. What is your daily routine like? You know, I'm getting you now 1030 in the morning, New York time, 930 here you know, Houston, what's your daily routine? Are you in up with the kids? Are you out running, you know, early? What do you do? Yeah, no, I mean, I wake up, I guess I'm up at like 6.15, Um I'll make the kids breakfast, you know, before they go to school. I'll go to the gym. I'm not a early, I'm not good. One of the good things about real estate, I will say, is that if you have your phone you can pretty much like be anywhere. So it's not the type of job where you have to be at your desk um, and in the office, like at any specific time, unless you have like a meeting. So my mornings are pretty much like go to the gym, well, deal with the kids, try and get them out of the house, go to the gym and then get to the office. So I'm always there for them um, in the morning. You know, they go to bed fairly early. So it's not always that I'm there you know, for them for, like, dinner and, like, you know, tucking them in. Um, but as our oldest one is now staying up a little bit later, I, obviously I do see her, but the other, the younger ones are asleep often. Um, but, you know, it's just, like, always being there when they get home from school, like, FaceTiming with them if I'm at work. Um, if, you know, if I can get home even early in the afternoon so when they do get home from school, you know, I can see them and be around. And then if I have conference calls, I can, you know, take that from home. Like any time I can be home and see the kids, given the flexibility of the type of job that I have, like I try and do that. Mm -hmm. You've mentioned that one of the best things uh, that came out of the Bear Stearns experience, I had a brother that was working there for a while too back in the day, was that you met your, you met your wife there. Um, yes. Is she working now or full-time parenting? And based on the fact that you're in a working environment, do you, in a way, work together, bounce things off of her? How's that dynamic? No, that dynamic, I mean, we're truly, 
like partners, like that's for sure. Um, I mean, her main job, quote unquote, is is dealing with the kids and the home, um, which a lot of people like. I don't know if they scoff at or whatnot, but like to me, that's a much more difficult and arduous job than than what I have to. Um, so you know, so so she balances that. Um, but she, coming from a real estate background, um, her family, obviously, her family, as I alluded to, was in real estate. Um, you know, she's very much, like, understands what it is that I do on a daily basis, and we are, like, very, thankfully, like, communicative um, and talk about, you know, the, the position, you know, talk about the projects and go through all that type of stuff. So she's very much, you know, in the loop. What's your what's your go to either individually for yourself and even as a family? Kind of your go to for to decompress, you know, to relax, to get away from it and turn it off, you know, if you can. You mentioned also you got your phone with you, you know, you can do anything from anywhere. But what do you do to turn it off? Yeah, I mean, I I would definitely say the gym, um, and you know, um, and and sports. So. You know, it's seven days a week. Like, I do something at least, like, once a day. Um, you know, just uh, even a, uh, just an hour or whatnot just to, to decompress and to unwind and to, like, sweat. Um, like, that is, that, is, that is definitely my kind of escape. Um, so without that, like, I'd be, you know, crushed. Um, but that's, yeah, that's, I definitely find, like, one hour a day to do that usually in the morning. Nice. You've got a couple of exciting projects that you're working on now. You touched on Miami for a second, and then there was also um, the Las Vegas, the Rio, the Rio project. Um, yep. If you, let's tell me a little bit about or what you can, you know, about Miami. Um, yeah, so we're building a 300-key hotel in Miami, um, you know, on, in Miami Beach, in South Beach, on 6th and Washington. Um, it's, you know, we think going to be sort of, I guess, for like lack of a better kind of like analogy, hopefully like a modern day, like, so, uh, sorry, short club, um, like Delano, you know, um, really nicely appointed rooms, not, you know, overly huge, but, but certainly like really well appointed, um, highly designed, you know, with a big F and B, you know, component, um, you know, the guy who's sort of like spearheading, um, the hotel to F and B is a guy by the name of David Grutman, who, um, in the South Beach, um, Miami world is, you know, is sort of is well known. He has, or owns, um, like live and story and Komodo, uh, another place called Swan. So he is um, a partner of ours in the project. So, you know, we're happy about that. But it's really going to be a lifestyle-oriented, you know, hotel brand. Um, and, you know, that should be coming online, like, very end of the summer, early fall of this year. So we're we're super excited and focused on that. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the next big project that we have sort of teed up um, is a big repositioning in in Las Vegas um, where we bought the Rio um, from Caesars. And, you know, that is a 2,500-key hotel 
obviously with a big gaming component, um, with, you know, a big retail component, um, you know, big S&B component, big everything component. Um, and that is, you know, that is an asset that, you know, has probably as good of bones and potential as you can find. Um, and we're really, like, going through the process right now of figuring out, like, what that, you know, what that asset, like, needs to be for the customer that we're ultimately, like, positioning it for. And that process is going to take some time. Um, and thankfully, like, the way that we structured the the deal is that we do have some time to, like, figure that out. So that project is probably not going to come online, you know, for another, like, you know, two-plus years or so. Mm-hmm. Ama- amazing stuff. I just want to kind of end with, are there particular causes, charities, things that uh, philanthropic efforts that you support and you and and you're involved with? Um, yeah, I mean the biggest you know things that we support and are involved with, like candidly, are is our community. So, you know, really our the schools that all that our children go to. Um, you know, is probably our biggest cause um, that we're focused on and, you know, want to ensure that our children and their peers are, you know, in a, in a great learning establishment. But um, beyond that, like, we certainly have charities, you know, that we're involved with, whether they're Jewish organizations, you know, our temple, um, unprivileged kids. My mother is very involved um, with, with um special education, um, so we're um, involved in that. Um, you know, we, we, we try and, you know, focus our attention on, you know, not a, a huge swath of things, but more, um, a, you know, a more finite things that we're, like, passionate about and, you know, really try and devote our time and, 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 and resources where we can. Yeah. On a quick note, you just yeah. personally – couple of rapid fire things here. What are you reading right now? Oh, Jesus. Um, that's not a good question because I'm probably the New York Post. I don't, I honestly, I don't even have, I'm not in the middle of a book and I rarely, I don't really find that I read. Um, I'd be lying if I said that I like actually am sit down and like read a novel. Um, mm-hmm. Like that, that just doesn't happen. But I, you know, I'm very much always reading like the paper um, you know, magazines that are right, laying around that when I do have, like, some free time, I pretty much just, like, go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> what are you listening to? Are you a podcast guy? Are you a radio show guy, music guy? Um, I'm pretty much of, like, a, a music guy um, with a little bit of, like, Howard Stern kind of, like, dabbled in there. There we go. Yep. Any p- personal style? Um, do you have a uniform? Are you a fashion guy? Do you mix it up? Or are you the same kind of, hey, I just throw the same thing on every day so I can go to work? No, no, no. I care about that. Um, I think when you're in, like, development and, you know, in especially in stuff that has, like, a design element to it, you got to, you know, dress the part a little bit and, like, care. Um, but there isn't, like, a particular brand per se. Um, but, I, you know, I think I will say that the business world has gone – like very casual, like very quickly. So it's pretty much like jeans, a shirt, and like a sweater and a pair of sneakers. Pretty much is like the, is the go-to. And 
some variation within that, but you know there isn't like a brand per se that I'm. You know, I, I do like a good James Purse like T-shirt, though. I will say that. <laughs> um, any particular motto, mantra, or anything you know you live by, or there's this thing sitting on the desk, you know, that says this. You know, um, I will say, like, I don't know who's given the advice, but you, you know, you do hear it. Is that at the end of the day, like whatever it is that one decides to do, like be passionate about it. Like truly, like if you don't have passion, um, then it's like not worth it. And the minute you feel like that your job is a job, um, then I think it's like time to take a step back and like reassess. And I do think that if people follow their passions, like they will ultimately like be successful and everything else will kind of take care of itself. So, I mean, that's, that's how I kind of live. Great stuff. Eric Birnbaum, Imperial Companies, husband, father, Mets fan, Winocki alum, uh, developer, entrepreneur. This is awesome, my friend. It's so great to catch up. Let's not let it be another 30 years. And uh, thank you so much for being here this morning. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. You rock. All right, guys, if you like what you hear on the Midwife Mail podcast, give us that thumbs up. Leave us that five-star review. Spread the word. Keep the midlife mail growing. We really appreciate those reviews. They help us move up the charts. Greg Scheinman, until next week, talk to you soon. Thanks, Greg. You've been listening to the Midlife Mail Podcast with Greg Scheinman, presented by Ends Group. Ends Group is ensuring success. For more information, visit endsgroup.net. All right, guys, I want to talk a little bit about Mascot Books. They are one of the country's leading hybrid book publishers, and they can take your big idea and transform it into a print or digital book that matches your voice and vision. Whether your story is one of growth, balance, success, or all of the above, Mascot Books will bring it to life. Head over to mascotbooks.com to learn more. I am a big believer that everybody has a story. Everybody's got a book in them. Not just the athletes, CEOs, entrepreneurs, risk takers, but everybody. You know you've got an idea for a book. If you do, if you want to put it out there, head on over to mascotbooks.com. These guys are the best in the business. I have known Naren Ariel and his crew at Mascot Books for years. I've had him on the Midlife Mail podcast. Go back and check that out. We've also had a couple of his authors on the show as well. If you've got that story in you, if you want to be an author, you can do it. Mascotbooks.com. I want to thank these guys for supporting the show, keeping the Midlife Mail movement growing. Mascot Books. Check it out.